0: Right, let's do this let's do this okay. episode 78 what up i'm when steve i'm john i'm ronald there it, it is just... right there
1: john we all identified ourselves everybody really
0: enjoyed that right that was great yeah. high energy you know who you're listening to yeah the trifecta but now you're wondering it's but like wait tripod <laughs> but wait what am i listening
2: to so today's episode we're talking about heartwarming moments yeah. so this
1: is obviously not a new film episode some right. of the movies may be relatively new <laughs> i don't i don't know what's yeah. on our list but this isn't a Episode where movies come out in theaters and we're talking about it. We like to mix it up. I think it's been a lot of fun to do these like kind of
0: list slash themed shows. Yeah, you learn a lot about someone when you, when you figure out like what movies they would single out mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, beyond mm-hmm. just the movies that are kind of like in theaters now and stuff. Right. So, and this is a topic that I, I'll admit I kind of pushed through because <laughs> I don't know. I know we've talked about scary moments and we've talked about villains and we've talked about some of our favorite movies but we haven't talked about those moments that kind of hit you in that that spot where when you're watching a movie and you kind of you find yourself it's the movie equivalent of when i'm watching a dog food commercial that makes me cry and i'm mm-hmm. going like why did the dog food commercial make me cry or why did the long distance commercial make me cry and, you know it's like these little human moments that sometimes can pop up in a movie oh, yeah. and usually they take me by surprise usually they're not big moments but mm-hmm. sometimes they are so I I I know there was a little bit of confusion uh, about exactly what this list was going to be. It's just really hard for me because... Is
2: it, it particular... Okay, so what if it's a, a large chunk of the movie?
0: It can be a large chunk okay. of the movie. That's fine.
2: It doesn't have okay. to
1: be just a scene it's if you don't scene. want it to okay. be. But right. I had trouble because, like I was telling John before we recorded, it was like... I'm admittedly super sensitive and emotional person in life. Mm-hmm. I cry a lot in films. He's
0: crying right now. I'm,
1: uh, John is wiping my tears yes. as we record this.
0: That's the kind of so relationship we have.
1: It's hard for me to, to say, like, this is a heartwarming moment. This is a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> this is just plain sad. Like, I had trouble. So some of mine might cross into that. And if we ever do another list for that, you know, maybe I just won't include them on that list. I'll go elsewhere. But for the purpose of this one as our heartwarming
0: Episode. Yes. Well, what I did was I tried to stay away from what I thought were absolute tear jerkers. You know, the plotline where a person slowly dies of cancer, right? Or the plotline where someone's old and they're 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 fading, and we're seeing you know those types of movies. You kind of know when you're when you sit down to watch a movie like that, you know you're supposed to cry. You know the movie's geared to making you cry. Right. right. The, the to me, what a heartwarming moment is as opposed to a tear jerking moment is more a moment that I like. I said before that I'm not necessarily expecting, and that I don't feel like the movie's set up. But obviously, it can be a lot of different things. And I basically said to Steve. Uh, just think of the last five times you cried that it wasn't at something terribly depressing and that's probably a pretty good list you know I mean <laughs> yeah. that's because I know what you mean Sometimes, because I'm, I'm a soft touch too and it's I'm very sentimental and nostalgic so yeah. a lot of times movies about kids will make me cry I'm also kind of a, a romantic so a lot of times romances will make me cry <laughs> romantic. but I stayed away <laughs> well you guys are in my love basement hey. so, uh, but, so I, but I stayed away mostly from romantic and and from tear-jerking moments I I, I, I angled more towards those moments where just you're watching a movie and then something sticks with you, or it, you know. And I generally also mm. think that we, the idea of a feel-good moment. Mm. You know, there's a lot of quote-unquote feel-good movies, <laughs> and those are usually like, like about a ragtag sports team, you Very know, true. that that conquers the odds or something. I didn't really think about feel-good movies so much as feel-good moments for movies that that you know might otherwise just be any type of film. But so I guess if you guys want me to start it off, I will, since sure, it was this, it this off. potential disaster. This was, is all your fault. This is all my fault. <laughs> I'm actually gonna start with probably my biggest moment, uh, the biggest heartwarming moment I can think of. And this is, I realize that when you're thinking about heartwarming moments, a lot of times, happy endings are gonna be, you know, gonna to, going to top the list. You can think of a lot of movies that end on a note or a, a beat that feels very uplifting and heartwarming. And uh, I tried not to do too many of those, but I did, there's one that just always comes to mind when I think about moments that just make me happy. Um, and that is The End of Star Wars. Okay. Now, I've always loved at the end of movies like that when people go through a bunch of crap and then at the end you see them all clean. You know, you see them all clean with their hair done nice and they're yeah. dressed up the next day. <laughs> I like, oh, look, he, he got a hotel room and a shower. Yeah. So I like the end of Star Wars. I always have because that award ceremony after they've destroyed the Death Star, spoiler alert, the good guys win at the end of Star Wars. <laughs> um, there's this great moment where we've just found out that Han Solo's not just in it for the money, everybody's hugging everybody's happy and then they look over and they're pulling a little r2 out of uh, luke's x-wing he's been shot so there's a question as whether r2 is going to make it you always forget that that moment is at the end of star wars Mm -hmm. but then the next scene is the award ceremony where princess leia is there and she's like awarding the heroes who've Mm -hmm. saved the day they're they're like wearing their dress version of their clothes they're they're happy they're smiling at each other even chewbacca looks good the droids are shiny and look who's there looking as shiny as he's ever looked r2d2 Like, wiggling back and forth and making little happy noises and stuff. (laughs) It is just the happiest moment and only on rewatch did i realize that that last scene really plays as a payoff to the question uh, you know of what happened to r2 is he going to be all right so like in that moment if that movie had all had been all that there ever was of star wars that that it leaves you in the perfect place so yeah into cool. star
2: wars heartwarming moment Into star wars okay one of my picks one of the, one of the greatest disney movies that gets no attention whatsoever miscellaneous thrown in the trash can movie i've mentioned this movie before has a likes of John Lovitz and Phil Hartman as voices. Ladies and gentlemen, the Brave Little Toaster. Now, this is the original Toy Story. If you if you look at how Toy Story was made, this is the same storyline. There are five
3: plucky appliances determined to find their masters no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. Join an inquisitive radio. Well, what does that mean? A bright lamp. I'm glad we don't have to do this every day. A snuggly blanket. Mm-hmm. A crotchety old vacuum cleaner. You're telling me. And a brave little toaster. Time to go. In a heartwarming story for the entire family. Plug into the adventure of the brave little toaster. But, <laughs>
1: but. uh I don't think Disney has anything to do with this film. They, look. Maybe. I don't know. Look. I'm just calling it. All right. Disney presents. They, there it they is. They
2: distributed it. It's considered a Disney movie. It there is. it is. Okay, so, um, it's just like Toy Story. I don't know, I, it's, it's jacked directly from it. There's a little kid just like in Toy Story. It's so weird how, how similar these are. But at the end. So these are appliances that get taken away, kind of put through hell, and they finally make it back to this kid's house, and it, it's, it's such a heartwarming moment because they went through hell, like they almost got killed. And and it's a weird it's weird in a movie when in a cartoon where a character says out loud to a cartoon character that I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And there were several moments in Brave Little Toaster that were like that. And those yeah. were your heartwarming moments. <laughs> but the the scene where they're like back together at the end. That, that was the first movie that I've watched a million times. Like I watched Brave Little Toaster so many times. Mostly for John Lovett's voice. He has one of the funniest voices in the world. So Yeah, it's a cool movie.
1: Interesting. I'm just looking this up after we just talked about whether it was Disney. John Lasseter initially pitched this film. If it was really? like a Pixar hero and or Disney hero, but specifically with Pixar. That explains and, a lot. And and initially it was turned down and then fired for pitching that film. Oh. And then it, it was it was then taken to a company called Hyperion. Pictures or something yeah. like that. I remember, but that Disney's so still like bankrolled it, I guess. But that's kind of interesting to think about. He's the like the story I wanna... that they had. You know that that's what attracted them to this story because it does have like it is a lot Toy of the like, Pixar
2: touches in it. It is Toy Story. It's exact. It's softer. I never I knew mean, that. Like, that's really Toy cool. Story is a lot softer, but it is the exact
1: same movie. But all right, so just again putting it out there, I may have,
0: <laughs> I may have misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I think... I, I
1: think with Steve,
0: fir- it can't always be Ronald that misunderstands the assignment. <laughs> no, you I, know? I'm,
1: I'm confident. There's only maybe one, and I may, I may call an audible on it. The first one <laughs> I'm going to throw out, in no particular order as well. <laughs> only because... So basically, anything with a father figure will get me. Same. Will warm my heart. Mm-hmm. Maybe not always make me cry. But a lot of times it does as well. Anything with baseball will usually touch me personally, because it's my favorite sport. And, uh... So my first choice is Field of Dreams, and it's the end of the film when Kevin Costner's character finally meets his father, who is a part of what's been calling him to this, this urge to build the, the baseball field and the cornfield, and he meets him and he calls him by his first name initially, and then when they you know part ways and he's about to walk out into the field, the scene where he calls him Dad, and he turns around and asks him if he can have a catch with him.
3: Hey, Dad? You want to have a catch? I'd like that.
1: That scene just, you know, not only made me want to cry my eyes out, but it's very emotional, it, it was a feel-good scene, because it was the culmination of all the effort. He never really... He didn't really understand it through the film of what the purpose of this was until, you know, maybe with, with the help of James Earl Jones, uh, the Star Wars connection for you. Yes. Um, you know, that his father was a part of this team and everything, but but the culmination of that the end, and, and his wife and daughter sitting on the porch watching him, just a really great scene, and uh, very heartwarming. Does that
0: qualify, John? Yeah, I think right, it qualifies. Good. Yeah. good. All right, great. Very much so. Um, you know, back to the world of Disney movies, or supposed Disney movies, or Disney distributed movies, or, I don't know, Ronald found some artwork online that he just, you know, something pirated. Um <laughs> But in that in that zone of animated films that can be heartwarming, I I went all the way back to 1941 to oh, a little a little motion picture called Dumbo. Okay, it's not just that the movie has has you know charming animation and racist crow characters to offer us, mm-hmm. but there's also uh, supremely, and this is where I almost break my own rules a little bit, um, because. This is kind of a... I realized as I was watching this scene today that this is... It's on the edge of heartbreaking and tear-jerking, but it is heartwarming in the context of the film because uh, early in the movie, Dumbo's getting taunted for having big ears by some mean kids, and Dumbo's mom attacks the kids or at least you know makes a scene to kind of protect her son. And so she's seen as a mad elephant and she's shoved off into a cage. Now, there's nothing heartwarming about that. Uh, but later in the film, when Dumbo's really sad and he misses his mom, Timothy the mouse, his only real friend, takes him to see his mom. And it's a pretty sad scene because the mom is chained up and she's barely able to get over to the window to see Dumbo. But she manages to stick her trunk out the window and kind of scoop Dumbo up. And she rocks him for a few minutes and he kind of hugs on her trunk. And we hear this really, one of those incredibly corny songs that could only be in a movie from the 40s. It's like this, (laughs) baby, oh my... Then, then they then they move around and they cut two different animals. And so you see, like, the kangaroo mother with her baby kangaroo. And you see all the other animals in the circus with their babies. And it's so cute and so heartwarming. But in every one of those shots of the animals, you know, with their kin or with their young, you, you totally see that they're in cages. cages. So, in yeah. a sense, it makes me think of how, as all parents, aren't we just trying to create, like, a bubble of safety and security for our kids that is ultimately an illusion. So, yeah. heartwarming.
2: Jeez. Um... Mine is a Tim Burton movie. Uh so this one is really uh it was really very emotional for me when I saw the movie because it directly correlated with my life at this time and it's it's Big Fish.
0: It's it's unbelievable
3: story of my life.
2: My dad and I have always had a very strange relationship.
0: And the strange thing is there's not a sad face to be found. Everyone is just so glad to see you. And send you off right. Goodbye, everybody.
3: Farewell. Adieu.
2: And I'd hear stories about him through my family members, and they were all re- always very weird. Right. Always very weird. My girl in the river. Mm-hmm. Some of them true. Most of them true for a, for a long time. And he, if if I am a ridiculous person, my father is ten times more ridiculous as a person. Like he's he is. He's a lot of things, you know what I mean? So like, I watched this movie and I mm-hmm. cried for an hour and a half. Yeah. Because the journey to find out who you are requires you to kind of do some research about who, you know, where you come the, from. Where you come from, mm-hmm. and this is it done in almost like a fairy tale kind of way, which which made it so much cooler for me. And it was just it was it was rough to watch because it's it's real stuff like it's things that we all do people that we love like whether it's a dad or a, a really close friend sure especially if especially if the person's older than you you hear all of this stuff surrounding people like all these tales about people i used to hear some insane things about my uncle and my dad and everybody around them that were true and and I guess the difference between this movie and, and the other movie is that the, the fairy tales were were slightly well, they were really exaggerated, and the things that I would hear about my my dad and like his his brothers and stuff like that were real, and I just I was kind of overwhelmed with the idea of who this person was. Um, so, Big Fish is one of the one movies that I've watched that I've cried from beginning to end, and I could not stop just because you. You, you, when you, when you leave, when you die, you expect for somebody just to care a little bit. You don't, you don't want everybody that you passed, that you crossed to love you. You sure. know, I never want that. Sure. But you want at least the people that you care for. I to want know. that. <laughs> John's like, screw that. Man. I want everybody to love me. You at least want some of the people to feel some sort of like, you know, know that they care for you.
0: You love me, right, Ronald? Yeah, I do love you, Steve? man. Steve? <laughs> gotcha. Okay, good. And I
2: think <laughs> that you, you kind of, you kind of, Try to become the best version of yourself. And in becoming the best version of yourself, maybe you missed some things. That Maybe you weren't the nicest to everybody. Maybe you weren't the greatest person. But overall, you try to be the best version of yourself in this movie. It was kind of a representation of all those things. And it's a it, great pick. It, It's a yeah. heavy-duty movie. It's and, definitely
1: on my list. Yeah, and you watch
2: it, you're like, this is just about like magic and fathers and, and, and like giants, right? And then you watch it, you're like, this is about so much more. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to read the book, but Tim Burton, this is when I first started to like realize that he was really good at creating worlds. I always, I always knew it, but this was the defining moment, kind of where he could tell a
0: really good story and. So. Not the Planet of the Apes remake. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I really do love that movie. I could watch that movie. I wouldn't say I love it. I don't hate I do. it like everybody, but
2: oh, Mark Wahlberg.
0: No, but you're right about like, and I'm I'm a sucker for father son stuff yeah. too. And you know, uh, having lost my dad this past February and being a father, I mean, there's all these things that make those type of moments more poignant. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. But I, I couldn't like when I was trying to think of some for this list, there weren't any particular father son moments that jumped out at me. I'm sure I'll think of hundred in the next week, but but you yeah, know that's a great choice. Even if it's not a particular moment, you're right, that movie is full of those little a little epiphanies. And yeah. the way that it uses the kind of folklore backdrop, um, yeah, that was like as far as I don't know, that might be the last movie Tim Burton made that that really <laughs> really emotionally connected with right, me. I might right. be forgetting yeah, something to think but... of
2: other things that he's done I was like, mm, maybe that was the um, the last one. I was like,
1: wow, this is Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. I, I love big fish and yeah. it, it's definitely a theme with a couple other choices on my list like Same. the whole father son thing. Mm-hmm. I excuse me I consciously try to like stay away from some but some just found their way on my list. Um, but my next pick for my moment is uh, it's actually a choice it's an animated film going back to the Disney Tank mm-hmm. uh, but more strictly towards the Pixar arm. It's 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 both heartwarming and heartbreaking. I think I know the, the moment time. you're talking oh, about. No. And it's the first ten minutes of Up. Um, oh, oh man. man.
3: <laughs>
1: I, I don't I don't know that anybody went into Up expecting that to happen. No. The, you know, and that's happened in other Disney films. You know, we we know there's a there's at least three Disney films on my on my honorable list here. Mm-hmm. And. But going into Up, it's an adventure. The balloons, the kid, the funny dog, all the. Never once did I have a moment going in where I thought the first 10 minutes of the movie, I would go on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I've seen the ins and outs of marriage, for better or for worse, from every, you know, just every stage, just seeing the gamut. Being, you know, I don't know, not being married, but having been in relationships where you go through all this stuff. And just seeing it played out on screen so beautifully by pixar who are masters at their work and uh in 10 minutes i went probably through every emotion i probably ever felt in my life Mm -hmm. watching an animated movie um
0: yeah you're sitting there going why are you doing this to me pixar absolutely and you
1: and you start to feel like well what's happening here Mm -hmm. like i'm getting this backstory i'm seeing them as kids you know them getting married them younger their dreams his dreams her dreams you know, oh, what's, what's happening? Like, something's not right. What's, you know, and, and you feel it and, and that's what they're so great at. But um, I could not, I could not have a list like this no matter what emotion you told me this list was supposed to gear towards because I <laughs> felt it during the first 10 minutes of Up. Yeah. So this has to be on my list. Up was. Just an amazing scene. That's a, a great. great. A great film. And I've read a lot of stuff online where like some people think like that should have been the movie. Yeah. And, like The movie ends with just him taking off on flight and fulfilling her, her dream of him. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting idea, but I think the way they approach this by taking us off guard is what allows us to, or allowed me specifically speaking, to experience it completely raw and just like
0: unexpected
1: and it just knocked me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
2: a great movie.
0: Great choice. That scene I've seen so many times and every time, some little detail catches me that just like... Uh, just like a little dagger in the heart you know but so much is conveyed in 10 minutes mm-hmm. like
1: it, you literally feel like you knew their relationship yeah. and that 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 is an emotional roller coaster in 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 the highest of positives and the lowest of Mm-hmm. Any negative you could think about in a relationship. And, and they managed to do it in 10 minutes, which yeah. is... He was, you know, was amazing. he was
0: at the travel agents on the day she gets uh, sick, Steve. Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. This is rough. We can just cry into these cups and use those <laughs> as refills. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of water here. I might just drink my tears. My, my next uh, pick for heartwarming moment... This is actually one of the first moments I thought of that made me actually want to do this. And it is such a weird little subtle moment. But it's, a, uh, it's another Disney film. But this one's, de- <sighs> uh, this one's directed by David Lynch. This is a little movie called The Straight Story. And uh, in the movie, uh, Richard Farnsworth, oh, beloved old actor Richard this. Farnsworth, plays Alvin Straight, who is his health is failing. He's an old guy. And he discovers that his brother, who he's estranged from, who lives a couple states over, has had a stroke. And in an effort to kind of see his brother maybe before they die or maybe to, to lift his brother's spirits because he knows he's he's fallen ill, he decides that he wants to go visit him. But because he can't drive, he's too old to drive, you know, he can't be licensed. Uh, and I guess because of failing sight and he's got problems with his legs. I know the actor Richard Farnsworth was having problems with his legs as well in the making of the movie. And supposedly it was a real inspirational feat on set to see Richard Farnsworth play in this role. As we, you may know this, but um, you might know this too, Steve. He, Richard Farnsworth actually killed himself. Shortly after finishing the film, he won the Oscar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he won the Oscar posthumously, or was he alive to receive the Oscar? I don't know. That seems like something I should know. Yeah. But uh, at age 80, he did take his own life because of the pain he was in his, to his chronic illness. So the movie has that extra kind of bittersweet aspect to it, which is bittersweet, I think, is a word that's going to come up a lot for me on this topic. But the scene is uh it's a light little scene but to me when I was watching this movie knowing that it's a David Lynch movie and it's his only G-rated film and it's his only movie that would ever be a Disney movie you know mm-hmm. all those you don't think David Lynch G-rated and Disney in the same sense and then you also certainly don't think that it's going to be a great film but the story of how Alvin Strait decides he's going to visit his brother he doesn't want someone to take him he wants to go on his own accord so he gets a this plan that he's going to re- take his riding mower to visit his brother. He's going to take him, and it's about a 250-mile trip. It's across Iowa and Wisconsin. And, you know, the story has this kind of high-concept aspect to it. It's based on a true story, so that does add this element. But in this one scene, after he's tried to leave town on his riding mower and the riding mower failed, uh, Richard Farnsworth takes the riding mower out to his yard and shoots it and blows it up and decides he's got to get a new riding mower. And so he goes to the dealership, to the John Deere dealership, to get a new riding mower. And that's the scene that always stuck with me because it's just like, it's a scene between two men that kind of know each other and you can tell they kind of trust each other and they respect each other. And it's like, I don't want to be one of those guys. I'm not nostalgic for some version of America that never existed, but there's this little slice in this scene of that kind of, the kind of small town life that you wish existed. so. You trading in that reds today?
3: No, I don't believe it will. Pete was telling me you tried using that rider in a real interesting way. You still plan to do that? Still planning to, Tom. Well, I know better than to try and talk Alvin straight out of something he set his mind to. But I got to tell you, Alvin, that you've always struck me as a smart man. Well, that's appreciated. Until now. <laughs> What year? 66. Has a Kohler engine. We've used it for parts, but I always order and replace them when they arrive. The guts are good. It's got the old transmission. Nothing fancy. Is it a good machine? It's a good machine. Well, Tom, I got $325. That's a fact. Well, that sounds good to me, Alvin. Let's go and settle up with Alice. One more thing. Sometime you can find out a little about these 30-year-old machines if you know who run them. Do you know who owned it?
0: You better do. Me.
3: All right.
0: <laughs> uh, that's Tom, the uh, John Deere salesman, is played by Everett McGill, who uh, was you'll remember from Twin Peaks if you ever watched that show. There's some little old man in your life that if you watch this movie, you'll think about them. I kind of deliberately chose a scene that wouldn't spoil too much of the kind of emotional heft of the movie, but anyone who hasn't seen Straight no, Story it's it's great seen. it's a really amazing film yeah, yeah.
2: Um, my next one uh, I think it's Children of Men Children of Men uh, in the future people can have babies and Clive Owen is trying to take uh, a woman who is pregnant to a safe haven so that she doesn't get blown away by people that do not want her to have a kid. Um, it's it's like post-apocalyptic sort of like setting. Um, it's a beautifully shot movie. Loud as hell. Lots of explosions. I think it's a really cool movie. And, and one of the most heartwarming moments is the moment where... Uh, I don't want to give it away, but he succeeds in kind of getting her to the point where he has to bring her. But at the cost of lots of lives, lots of people kind of helping. And, and and that's kind of a beautiful thing. that They had to kind of all work together to get this kid to a safe place. Um, when the kid's actually revealed, and um, there's kind of this undertone of there's still hope in the world, even though it's a shitty place. You know what I mean? It's a lot more shitty in that version yeah. of the world, but it's it's such a beautiful movie and, and a beautiful moment. And uh, it yeah, you know, I think about it a lot. Whenever I think about like what the future is gonna be like, I don't know. A lot of people believe that whatever it looks like, it's gonna be similar to the Children of Men, just because there's not a, a lot of neglect on, like land-wise and resource-wise, and there's this common belief that we won't ha- we won't have any resources after a little while, which will make it kind of hard for people to live healthy, long lives. So I don't know. I think it, Children of Men. The ending scene is a really beautiful moment and very heartwarming. So that's what I've chosen.
1: So my third pick is actually I would say the entire 142 minutes of this film <laughs> I would qualify as heartwarming. I don't know that I could pick one scene. I will highlight one, mm-hmm. but um, it's 1994's *Farce Gump*. Oh, uh, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's a movie that I watch anytime it's on TBS, TNT, USA, whatever has the rights to play it. Don't huff, Ronald. Let it's me have a, my moment okay. here. It's Let me have moment. my moment. It's really hard to watch this movie and not feel positive about yeah. just life uh, in general. I mean, you follow it through Farce Gump and it's, you know, it's got all the cool pop culture references, all the, you know, the inventive way of including him with like JFK and all these historical figures that Zemeckis did, which was awesome for the time, but I just I don't know that there's very many movies that I feel that I from beginning to end was as just enjoyed following the character and every emotion that he went through uh you know the 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 good stuff and the bad stuff with his mother or with Jenny or um or later in the film which my scene that I actually cho- chose is basically any of the scenes that he has with his son you know i think the moment that he realizes when he visits jenny and realizes that she has a, a son and and she introduces him and his name's Forrest. you're a mama jenny
3: i'm a mama His name's Forrest. Like me. I named him after his daddy.
1: He got a daddy named Forrest too?
3: You're his daddy, Forrest.
1: He doesn't he doesn't get it until she tells him that it's her that, that it's his son. I don't think I would have gotten it either, honestly. And <laughs> and uh, and she and and he asks <laughs> really Yeah, I, that, I wouldn't have gotten it.
2: <laughs>
3: Forrest, look at me. Look at me, Forrest. There's nothing you need to do, okay? You didn't do anything wrong. Okay? Isn't he beautiful?
1: He's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But... Is is, he smart? He's very smart.
3: He's one of the smartest in his class. Yeah, it's okay. Go talk to him.
1: And that, that moment yeah. when he's aware of, it, 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 is he like me? He, you know, he's aware of himself yeah. and what he's now given the world. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that scene piggybacked with the scene when Jenny actually passes away and he's talking to her about Little Forest mm-hmm. and oh. telling her he's so smart. You'd be so, you know, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, that movie, that, 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 those two scenes destroyed me with, with tears. But I'd say the film as a whole, yeah. a heartwarming film, mm-hmm. a crowd pleaser if there ever was one in my opinion, yeah. and I don't know that there's really... From from front to back, from beginning to end,
0: I was absolutely enthralled. It got so big and so successful, and it got to the point where everybody was saying, life was like a box of chocolates, and I <laughs> like it a lot, and all that stuff, and it's like, I mean, I loved it the first time I saw it. I can understand, I mean, all the complaints about it being kind of mawkish and sentimental, and people say it kind of simplifies history. There's all these complaints that I think detract from the fact that if you just see this movie in a bubble, there's something in it for you. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I think that a lot of people now kind of like to bash this movie. And I don't get it. I mean, I, I totally know you I listen to so many like radio podcasts and
1: about movies and such, and I feel like it's more often than not people are bashing Forrest Gump. I think the American movie going public in general, it couldn't be further from the truth. Right. But I think that people that are analyzing it, like you're, you know, the things you were just mentioning, if you go deep into that, sure, maybe you find stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on the surface which was kind of how, I mean, not to sound cheesy, but it was kind of how Farz Gump lived his life was yeah. like, what he saw is what he got, you know? And it just, I feel like that's how I watched this movie. That's how I enjoyed the film. It, it probably qualifies as maybe your feel good category as well. Mm-hmm. But again, there's definitely some definitely scenes in this film that, I mean, just are so so touching and just uh, make you feel good about, about life and just about being a father, being a husband, being, a, you know, in love, mm-hmm. you know, being a son. Just you know, it goes all over the place, and I've always loved farce Gump, but it, it had to find a place on my list today. Yeah. so, yeah. farce Gump. It's one of my
2: favorite movies of
1: all time.
0: Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh,
1: you're you're huff no, when I said no, it. I thought huff, you were gonna like. I, I thought think, you were gonna be one of the yeah. people that no, were gonna huff bash it. I misread the huff. Too. It came off as a negative huff. Uh,
2: Huffing just because like it. I just remember what it what it did to me just watching it. It's, exactly. It's a rough. I mean, like it's it's. It's a beautiful movie.
0: My uh, my fourth pick is a movie from 1960. And it's a scene near the end of the movie. I'll, I'll try not to give away too much around this scene because I, it is kind of a, it's kind of like similar to my my Star Wars pick. It's right at the end of the film, so I wouldn't want to give away what the eventual outcome of the scene is. But it's more about what happens at the beginning of it that that really warms my heart. Anyway, so. The movie's been out for, what, 53 years? 53 <laughs> years, but have you seen The Apartment? About spoilers. Have you seen The Apartment? I have. Have you seen have The seen Apartment? It. Yeah. Okay, so you guys have seen yeah, The Apartment. Seen but, it. you know, there are people who might yeah, not have seen I it. I understand. And I guess maybe what, what I'm saying... I felt bad when we were talking about... Um, uh, we were talking about villains, and I recommended Watership Down, and I realized a lot of people might not have seen Watership Down, and I, in my excitement, I told a lot of the conclusion of the film. I really want to see that Even movie. Even though I don't think I ruined it, I still... So I'm, maybe I'm overly sensitive now to the notion of, what's the point of <laughs> recommending a movie to someone if you're also saying, "And guess here's what happens at the end. Now go see it. But uh, at the end of The Apartment, there is a point where Jack Lemmon's character, CC buddy boy, Baxter who's basically been taken advantage of by all of his bosses throughout the movie. And really, the story is kind of a... It's almost like a slow burn for his character until he stands up for himself. But in the midst of that, he's met a girl that he really likes, and there's reasons why they can't really be together because she's dating someone who is working over him that he really hopes gives him a promotion, and he's actually letting that guy, as well as all the other bosses at his company, use his apartment as a place to take their mistresses. So he's always having to like leave his apartment and go out to a play. And it's a kind of a running gag that... Uh, he keeps going to see the music man and all these different plays because yeah. the, the guys that run the company are giving him tickets to get him out of the house so that they can use his yeah. apartment so they can strip their ladies on the side. Um I love and you know, Shirley MacLaine pops up in the movie, she's adorable as uh, Fran Kubelik, who's kind of fucked up but in a in a in a very sexy way. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Fred McMurray, who plays the dad on my three dads and who was a you know, lovable father figure in that is is a, a heel in this. He's like the really slimy guy who's named Jeff Sheldrake. This, just this web of lies and deceit and everything ends up in a, in a point near the end of the film where Jack Lemmon's character has, has gotten punched in the face. He's lost the girl. He's lost his job. He's pretty much decided it's time to leave town. He's, gotta get, he's got nothing left here. And so he's sitting around his apartment and someone comes over to see him. And it, it, we happen to know it's New Year's Eve. And I just love, he answers the door and he's got a bottle of champagne in his hand, and it's, it's bubbling.
3: Are you all right? I'm fine. Are you sure? How's your knee? I'm fine all over. Mind if I come in? Of
0: course not. Let me get another glass.
3: Where are you going? Well, who knows? Another neighborhood, another town, another job. I'm on my own. That's funny. So am I. What'd you do with the cards?
0: In there. So, it just spoke to me about, like, the sort of lack of self-pity and the indomitable spirit of this guy that, like, not only did he have all these bad things happen, he's mm-hmm. packing up his apartment, he's, he's alone on New Year's Eve, and he still decides to celebrate... To with a little bubbly. I know it sounds like I'm celebrating Christmas? a guy who's sad drinking alone, <laughs> which this could be seen as a really negative thing, but I just remember at that moment realizing, okay, we've just seen that this character has some you. kind of excuse spirit me. to him because he's not pitying hey. himself. He's not sitting around, you know, he's not doing this in a pathetic way. He has Do that bottle you know, of champagne open me, because I it's New Year's Eve, even if he is alone and he's got nobody left in his life. So, CC buddy boy Baxter, Shut up that's be. why you're one of my heartwarming moments. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha.
2: movie um, I told you that it was my number one it's my number one and yeah, number, number two movie uh, be so the southern wild uh, the scene where they're in the restaurant and eating crabs and uh, so the, the whole story is that uh, in this particular scene hush puppy um, the young character that we follow uh, has never opened a crab before so our dad Is kind of encouraging her to be like a boy and be as tough as she possibly can. And there's the scene where she's trying to open this crab up and she fails a couple of times, and then a chant starts building Beast it! Beast it! Beast it! Beast
3: it! Show me you can do it! Come on! Come on! Come on now! it
2: and then she eventually builds up enough strength to break the crab and she opens it up and then in celebration she just gets into this pose like a wrestler and just kind of strings and and it's something about just kind of those little developments that hush puppy has during the course of the movie where she she grows a little bit she develops a little bit and she becomes a stronger person. In front of her father and kind of proving to, you know, herself that she can be a strong person in this situation, even though she's too young to really should be in these situations. But she is kind of seeing her earn her keep in real time, you know, as this story is developing is really amazing. And that particular scene is one of the more powerful scenes in the movie. Very heartwarming. I love that movie. I haven't seen I've seen it like two times. I want to see it again. So you're going for three? Going for three. So that's my pick. What's your pick? I
1: knew you are going to pick that.
2: Oh, you knew I was, because that's my...
1: that's. I, I remember you talking about that scene when you saw it. That movie's my jam. <clears throat> it's your jam of jam. <laughs> uh, okay, so my fourth pick... I'm having a lot of trouble right now, John. I'm literally having a mental breakdown <laughs> over here. Looking at my list, I only have two spots left, and I am and, and I have two that I'm like, will John say that this does not qualify?
0: Uh, I'm not going to be that kind of if guy. If you're not
1: going to be a dick, is what you're saying? No. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: okay. Look in your heart, Steve.
1: All right. I feel good about this now. Um, I'm going to go with another Disney movie. Oh, Lord. Okay? What is this one? And this time, instead of going with the first 10 minutes of a film, I'm going to go with the last 10 minutes of Toy Story 3. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Again, an emotional wreck. Uh, So, here's the thing. So... Very, very heartbreaking in the scene, like when they're in the incinerator, and you're like, "What's going to happen? Are they, you know? Are these gonna? Are they gonna die? Yeah, you know." So that that's the that that's what sets me up for the following scene, which is actually the more emotional scene for me, and it's not sad.
0: It's it's heartwarming, John. Yeah, no, that's the definition of heartwarming. Thank you, John. The very end of Toy Story Three, that whole chunk is that, the definition.
1: Woody putting himself back in the box to go with the toys that he knows that Andy's taking to Bonnie's house. And, and Andy seeing Woody in the bottom of the box, like, you know, not knowing, not remembering, put him there because he didn't. He, Woody yeah. went there on his own and deciding to still give mm-hmm. uh, him to, to Bonnie.
3: My cowboy.
1: Woody? What's he doing in there?
3: There's the snake in my boot. What? There's a snake in my boot.
1: That whole scene, you know, just the passing of everything over to another child to experience what he experienced that will take care of him like he did. Now, Woody,
2: he's been my pal for as long as I can remember. He's brave, like a cowboy should be, and kind and smart.
1: But the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you, ever. He'll be there for you, no matter what.
2: You think you can take care of him for me? Okay then.
1: In the haunted bakery. You, you, the ghosts are getting away. <laughs> Woody, stop hunting. Buzz like you're the rescue! And uh, and then watching him drive away was just uh, going off to college was just an amazing way to to the end to you know assuming end this series. Which I mean I love all three Toy Story films, but um, to be the bookend to my first ten of ups, I'd say the last ten of Toy Story three is uh, one of the most heartwarming experience i mean you know everybody's had toys you know that you that you've had an emotional attachment to mm-hmm. but not only have we had, had emotional attachments so we relate to but we have emotional attachments to these characters if you've invested yourself in three films mm-hmm. and you've just gone through such an emotional experience with with the climax of the film that this little let off at the end is so poetic and just so right it feels right and it just feels like that's what should happen and uh just just a great scene yeah, and, and,
0: and I do. You know, you thought I wouldn't accept that one, Steve. I think it's the definition of okay. Because I that mean, that's so the, that's sad. The, that's the, the ultimate. But it's sad. I was but sad it's-
1: one because it was like it was like Toy Story's ending. I was sad because like oh, and you know, he wanted to take Woody with him or what. You know, it's like well, it really feels like they are. in, I mean,
0: I've heard they're they're planning to make more yeah. of those movies. But at oh, the time, no. it really felt like they were ending that that series in a very emotionally poignant way. So at that mo at the moment that that scene was rolling in front of you, you really feel like you're saying goodbye to all these characters. You're saying goodbye to Andy. Right. It's ev- yeah no 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 that no that moment was because it is a positive moment, but there's some sadness. There's an undercurrent to it because you see that things are changing. But they found about as about as happy a way to communicate that to say Andy's not going to play with these toys anymore. That's sad, but to say here's how that's going to happen. Exactly. It was very it was very sweet. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I Love that scene. Well, my last pick is another kind of odd moment that just always stuck with me. And whenever I started thinking about this list, it just kept coming back to me as a moment where you really do see a character kind of show their moxie. This moment explains this character to me in some way. And it comes from the 2010 version of True Grit, the Coen brothers, their remake of True Grit, but more like readaptation of the Charles Portis novel. Yeah, It's when Maddie Ross, she has just given the money to... Marshall Rooster Cogburn played by Jeff Bridges to help her find the man who killed her father and rather than go along with the plan that they set up which was that you know in the morning they were gonna leave together he's tried to get the drop on her by leaving in advance and he's actually out there already on the on the road with a Texas Ranger played by Matt Damon named LeBeuf or LeBeef. Basically, they've kind of conspired to leave her behind, but Rooster Cogburn has taken her money and she's not gonna stand for this. So she rides after him only to see that they've already crossed the river and the ferryman is not gonna take her across. Is
3: that Marshal Cogburn?
0: That is the man.
3: Who's he with? I
2: do
0: not know.
3: Well, take me across.
0: So, you're the runaway. Marshal told me you'd show up. I'm to present you to the sheriff.
1: That is a story. Let go of my horse. I have business across the river. If you don't turn around and take me across, you
3: may find yourself in court where you don't want to be. I have a good lawyer. Hey! Hey. Go, little Blackie. Come
0: on! So she basically walks across the river (laughs) on her horse. And you just see uh, Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon on the other side of the river. They're they're stopping. They're looking at her, and they kind of have this look of disbelief on their face. <laughs> but she just keeps coming across the river, and and you know it's the swelling score by Carter Burwell, who's kind of the Coen Brothers' go-to composer. But the scene is just so great because, I mean, every time I see it, I get this little lump in my throat because you just see her in the river and she and the horse, they look so wet and bedraggled and small, but they just keep on coming. And by the time they make it across to the other side, it's not like everything's okay at that point. But you can see that at that moment, these men who thought they were going to be able to dismiss this girl and leave her behind, they now know they can't do that. hard not to be moved by the force of that character and you know not even that just the actress planner to see a young actor step into a movie like that and carry it with all these professional actors all around that moment just cinched it for me and I fell in love with that character so that would be my final final pick for a heartwarming moment cool Um, true grit 2010 mine Uh, this was the
2: first movie that I saw where a comedic actor was being uh, something other than a comedic actor uh, almost 10 years to the day, I saw one of the greatest movies, I think, ever. And that's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Michelle Gondry's movie. So, this movie was so important to me because it showed me that you could have a story about two people that love each other. That could be neither conventional or uh, it doesn't have to be very straightforward. And it can use really random magical elements... And it can still make sense in its own world. You're
3: pretty. Jolie. Don't ever leave me. You're Pretty. 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 As yes, we act. Please let me keep this memory. Just this. One. I don't want to hold your hand. Come on.
2: And um, no! I, guess, I guess it's at the end of the movie when they kind of. It's kind of this. Wordless decision that it's gonna work out. It's it's gonna work out. It's it's not gonna be what it was before, but it's gonna work out. It's something pretty amazing about kinda of the realism of that versus the what the story was about that we we kinda just don't really see in American cinema. The kind of like uh over glossed sort of idea of what love is and what it what it looks like, what it sounds like. And it's not that. It's what it smells like. What it smells like. And it's it's not any of that. It's it's actually about like compromise and a good way and getting to know somebody and getting to a point where you, this is a person you can live with. Like you 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 accept them for their corks. You accept them for their shittiness. They do the same for you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you can only hope you meet somebody that meets you halfway. And you go through all this stuff. And and it it that's what it is. That's what it is. It's I've never seen a movie use so much like fictional sort of craziness memories being physically erased from someone's mind and having to run away from which
0: in the context of a romantic feeling like if you've had that with somebody where you've had Mm -hmm. romantic trouble that that idea of like actually losing your memory of them i remember that almost played like it was a pretty scary notion in that yeah it It really made you feel sad for the notion of like someone being removed from your life that way you know cuz Cause, cuz cause it, it,
2: when once you have a sour moment with somebody it can mutate into something else like it, all the memories that you have with, with somebody if it gets shitty with them they become terrible terrible they they almost work against you all the things that you like love about that person once they do something terrible to you like i hate that person mm-hmm. all these memories hurt and yeah. they feel terrible and just to kind of see it play out and them kind of deciding in the end like we're 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 the best for each other mm-hmm. nobody else is going <laughs> to work out man you know, there's I, 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 something beautiful about that. Even yeah. if it's not on the terms that you thought it'd be on, it's on good terms. It may not be...
0: No, you're right. That movie really does use really unusual storytelling techniques to get at a really human, really familiar story. Like something yeah. really true at the heart of this crazy, almost fantasy sci-fi yeah. approach. It's like a real-life
2: cartoon. He, he, I love that all of his movies are like that. All of them aren't the best. Like, I love The Science of Sleep, and I love Beacon Rewind. I mm-hmm. love those two. <laughs> you don't know, like B. Rewind? Be Kind Rewind. Have nah, you ever seen it? I'm seen it.
1: What? It's weird. I just re- I just referenced this the other night when what we were at the a, screening. What
2: a dickhead! <laughs> what a dickhead! That movie is great. Mm. Oh I mean, you gotta see it. You don't. You should watch it. it again. You should watch it again with your eyes. I say
1: I didn't hate it, but I think that it's not it's not anything I'd I'd put at the top of his list. Yeah. It's, Eternal it's, Sunshine. Oof. top. I mean, mm. I love did you like it. The Science uh, of Sleep? Yeah. No. No. I would say it's probably in the same ballpark as Be Kind Rewind for me oh, but sign but the uh, Eternal Sunshine I, I absolutely What about Green love. Hornet? <laughs> now that's a different ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a there's a top and then there's a one above it.
0: Was yeah. Human Nature him as well?
1: I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, I know, I know I didn't like uh what's the one he just did that I said I didn't like with Paul? Uh, oh uh Prince Avalanche. Prince Avalanche. I Was yeah. not a fan. Uh, Okay, so the final... uh, That was Michelle Gondry? I thought that was David Gordon You're right. Actually, I I just lied, so I just don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) They both made me feel the same way. You're right, though. I was as disappointed. Prince
0: Avalanche is such a bad Michelle Gondry film, it's not even a Michelle Gondry film. (laughs) Precisely. (laughs)
1: So terrible. Okay, so for my last pick, um, I'm going to give you two letters and four syllables. E.T., I'll be right here. Oh. Um, my all-time favorite movies definitely top three of all time I go to Universal Studios in Orlando I love that ride two times a year to ride that damn ride and the time that they take it away if I don't have a child and take that child to that ride before they remove it which I sadly think they probably will soon and they um, say your name at the end it'll break my heart yeah he says he says he says my name I'll be right here but yeah E.T. I mean I don't know what else I I really can say about E.T. um it changed my life, you know. It made me. I, it, I feel like he had a huge influence on who I am, just how I view life and and relationships and friendships and acceptance and just you know, open mind. You know, just, you're always calling people penis breath. Yeah, you know that's what I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, the scene at the end where where. Um, where ET where e. is going back to his home planet and uh you know he says bye to Gert and and to and to, the, to Michael yeah. and uh they have their own goodbyes and even even the be good thing with Gert is really emotional to me because that's like the first words that he learned yeah. with her and uh but but with Elliot you know asking him to stay and go you know it just it just is it's not it's sad but it's not really sad you know it, it's a moment that it just feels really uh complete to me you know, you, you have this journey um, where, you know, he comes here for one, I mean, I don't need to tell you what E.T.'s about, but, you know, the, the 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 journey that the two take together from when they meet each other and they have this mental, this emotional bond and what the story shapes into, into getting, to saving E.T. And, and you know, to kind of him assuring him while I'm somewhere else and I may never be with you, that converse, that, that that line just... I mean, it it transcends the story about a boy and an alien, you know what I mean? Right. It it goes for any relationship you've ever had where you don't have access to somebody anymore, whether somebody passed away or somebody you don't see very often, a friend moves away. I mean, I relate that to my life all the time. And I always think of E.T., and it always kind of set me up for for that understanding that, you know, physically being here is not one thing, but, you know, being a part of me is the other, and that's all from E.T., so absolutely the, the And and thank goodness
0: like they've re- they've resisted sequelizing it for yeah. you yeah. know what I mean and oh, or yeah. you know what I mean they haven't done anything to cheapen that film in the I, yeah, well I, there was the the DVD that. re-release where Steven Spielberg like but put walkie-talkies in yeah, place with of the, the guns, guns or whatever yeah. but I, I think he even went back after that and said he wouldn't do that now that he he thought that was a misguided attempt on his part to kind of whitewash yeah. Yeah. and that he wouldn't he wouldn't mess with people's film memories but at least when Steven Spielberg did that he put the the dvd came out it had the original version oh, on yeah, it yeah, it wasn't yeah. like the lucas yeah. thing where he, where the it's original replaced. version of his movies it's, is yeah. gone you know where he's got control over
1: but yeah i had to have et on this
0: list Yeah, that's somehow. a great that's a great choice and uh... Yeah, I love. I, I love didn't that choose film. E. T. and Toy Story three because I knew you would choose them, and Thanks, I'm glad. Man. I'm glad you did. You know me
1: so well, man. <laughs> you well, know what, me what so that well. did
0: to me was it forced me to go off and choose kind of smaller, weirder moments. Yeah, but no, I, but I do think that like it can be obviously there are big moments and there are small moments that do that to you. But like oh, it's absolutely. funny those little those bits that stick with you. Well, I feel like I learned a little something about you guys and your soft underbellies. Ah ha. Mine is very soft. Yeah. <laughs> did you
1: guys have anything that like didn't make your five? Any close co- close man, calls? Man, Goonies. I was gonna say
2: Goonies was gonna be on my list. And man, that movie did something to me when I was a kid. Like I feel like the camaraderie. That, sure. Yeah, it's just something about that was super heartwarming. The whole thing. Like, there's no particular scene, but very similar those. to the
0: end of Star Wars. Uh, there's that scene at the end of Return of the King where yeah. Aragorn's been coronated. And the only reason why I didn't put it on my list is because I just put Gollum on my villain's list. (laughs) And I also think that there's something about the end of Return of the King that's slightly tainted for a lot of people by the fact that after the scene that I'm referring to, there's like 15 minutes of stuff that, you know, you can argue needed to be there, but as far as filmically, cinematically, the the true ending of the film should have been the moment when the hobbits are there at, at Aragorn's coronation, they go to bow to him, and he says, no, my friends, you bow to no one. And then everybody... Bows to the four little hobbits, and so it's all these men, all these dwarves, all these elves, you know. And the whole point of the story is the hobbits never really got respect. Everybody's bowing to them, and they look just just as small and confused as can be in the middle <laughs> of all that. I find that moment to be incredibly yeah, that's, powerful. That's a great. If effect. that was the end of the movie, I think more people would. I mean, I don't think you would hear any complaints about I that movie agree being long. You more. Yeah. But you know, but yes, I just didn't want to over. Now I have explained it, so I've done it anyway. But I just didn't want to over go to the uh, Lord of the Rings well. Right. But you know, it's a shout out to Robbie Reed. <laughs> there you go. work it in there Reed. who knew
2: he has his own theme song whenever he comes into a room I go Robbie
1: Reed this is one of the ones I cut last minute I had Rudy the oh, who's, okay. who's the big man one. now scene at the end <laughs> uh, I also it, the, I cut this one it, it borders on the sad part it's, anything that was a think of a sacrifice
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I tried to pull off but it. I still will really include it as an honorable mention because the movie actually ends on a positive note is the Iron Giant mm-hmm. um, oh yeah uh, when the giant, when he goes into the air and he and he's and he says Superman before sacrificing himself, but then you know you see the head at the end. <laughs> I was gonna say seeing the parts climbing, moving back together in the yeah. Arctic. To yeah. me yeah, that was... you, you see the head. You know, am yeah. all going. So you know that it's, it's not so sad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that whole like you know you are who you choose to be, and he he chose to be. I, I thought that was super yeah. cute. And the last one I had was uh, was Hook. Um, not a lot of people like Hook. I love mm. Hook. But the scene in Hook where all the Lost Boys, or at least one faction of them that do- doesn't side with Rufio, sees Peter, Rufio. Pan, sees Peter Pan in Robin Williams, like when mm-hmm. they're kind of moving his face around and they realize like, oh, it is him. He just grew up. Mm-hmm. I love that scene and it's like super cute and like you just feel so happy that you'll be able to see him like kind of, you know, be Peter again. So I don't A know. movie
0: I kept thinking of, but I couldn't think of a particular moment from it, but a movie that really got me... Several times emotionally, just because it's so, it felt so relatable and so real. But uh, you can count on me with Laura Linney oh, yeah. and Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. There's some great like sibling relationship moments in that, and it's very much that type of thing where you can see there's a sadness there at the heart of these characters, but there's also a lot of history and yep. you know I couldn't point to a particular moment.
2: Far City Blues, Billy Bob catching that pass at the end. Heartwarming. Heartwarming. The whole town. It's like it's a tan. It's like a yeah. small, it's a tan. <laughs> small <laughs> and it's, it's seeing a young Paul Walker on crutches, mm, calling, those place. calling those what a sight, from place. the side. What a heartwarming <laughs> sight, calling those plays. James <laughs> Vanderbeek. Old cereal box head himself.
1: <laughs> he yeah, for real. He is a
2: huge head. It's not regular. It's like it's
1: <laughs> not
0: regular. Spoken <laughs> as a guy with a big, weirdly shaped head. I feel like oh, I man. can make fun he of is other guys. He a fucking huge head in the same club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's wow. It's...
1: That's a lot of heartwarming going on right yeah, here. Yeah. Right. right. Our hearts are My so heart warm. Is on fire. right I know. now. Same. Same. So I think maybe one episode we need to do is just heartbreaking scenes. Yeah. <laughs> with good choices, guys. Yeah. Very, very varied. Very, 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 very yes. varied. But uh, all things that I've seen, and then I think uh, I would say they all pretty much. Work. I need to watch the Straight Story again because you reminded me how much I like that movie. Yeah, I have. Never I haven't seen, seen it until like, I, I saw it when it came out because that's when I used to work for the film studio, and like no one expected that movie to be great, and I thought it was really good. Well, what's
0: weird about it is it's got a ninety-five percent fresh rating on uh, Rotten that's Tomatoes. Crazy however and this is the thing that's kind of surprising with a $10 million budget it only made back a little over $6 million. yeah you know yeah. occasionally that happens
1: that's your homework Ronald
0: Street story Come check it out alright
1: guys anything else we're good to go I think that's it episode 78 in the books yeah episode 78 heartwarming moments that was a lot of fun I can finally stop suggesting oh. that we do this one <laughs> check it off yeah. check it off John we'll go to the list
0: <laughs> I should we have,
1: have a list for our list shows
0: we should have had Kleenex handy for this episode but I think should we have. held it together Tear pretty well yeah you we'll go deep into it with that <laughs>
1: alright guys as always thanks for listening you've made our day Bye.
2: Have you heard of this movie? Heart Condition with Denzel Washington
0: and Bob Hoskins.
2: Yeah,
1: Bob Hoskins. Are you looking up heartwarming movies right now? Did no. you just Google heartwarming movies? Because <laughs> no, 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 no. Heart flop, Condition, biggest. Flop no, he's better.
0: Better yet, Steve, he's looking up something completely irrelevant. Big- <laughs> <laughs> right, right.